Hello everybody, this is Paul Miller, and you're listening to the Tuna Town Talks podcast, located in Venice, Louisiana, the fishing capital of the world. Alright guys, we're down here in uh, Venice, Louisiana with uh, episode 2, or yeah, episode 2, season 2, with uh, Captain Eddie Berger, and uh, he is a Venice legend, to say the least, and uh, tell tell everybody, hey Eddie. It's happening. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just go ahead and get right into it, man. Um, go ahead and start telling us, you know, like your first time fishing or, or how you got into charter fishing, wherever you want to start, you know, just go ahead. And I got into charter fishing because, well, this is an old time story. When I was about six years old. My dad asked me what I do for a living. I told him I wanted to go to Harvard Charter Boat Captain School. <laughs> Not lying. My dad's like, there's no Harvard Charter Boat Captain School. I was like, well, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going to Harvard to learn a fish. And here I am. Well, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So what did you do? Did you uh, start, uh, you know, deckhanding first? No. Or you just started fishing on people's boats? I started fishing on people's boats really? as a private captain. So people would just hear about you, about word well, no, of mouth like, kind of thing? Or? I had tackle. My first, my first business card says, have knowledge, have reels, need a boat. Right. <laughs> so I went on everybody's boat and did whatever I could to make a little money when I was in college. And while my friends were flipping burgers in college, I was exploring to go off Mexico. <laughs> and what year was that when you were? About 2000. 2000? That's when wow. I got my captain's okay. license. That's when you got your captain's license. So you've been fishing for 20 20, years. 22, 21 years now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. That's pretty cool. And, uh, so like, do you, are any of those people, do you still fish with any of yes. them still? Really? Mm-hmm. That's got to be really cool. Hmm? Fishing with people for that long, man. Yes. That's I mean, what they've I grown up my life. I mean, they've known me since I was 20. Right, right. I still get people every now and then that come fish with me, and they've been fishing with me since I was a deckhand, and I just hmm? can't imagine. It just gets cooler as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, you, you get to become friends with them. They see, you, they see your family grow up. I see their family grow up. Right, right. I bring their kids yeah. fishing. Yeah. I have people that have kids, and they say, I can't wait to take my kids fishing with you. And know kids are like one year old. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. And so you've been here ever since? You never did anything else, really? No. Straight out of college, just started? I, I got it. one paycheck my whole life for four days. Four days? <laughs> and I worked in Viking Yachts. Really? After Katrina. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Wow. After Katrina happened, I went to Viking Yachts, got a job, and they put me in an engine room. And I'm six foot five. <laughs> and, every part, and me at six foot five... Does not work well. It wasn't happening. Cleaning no. engine rooms. <laughs> so like, yeah, I appreciate you, Viking. And I went back to Louisiana, and I helped a friend of mine, Charlie Durand, clear houses, and they gave me a sledgehammer. <laughs> and I beat the shit out of stuff. <laughs> After Katrina, and cleared houses out, and right, right, did drive. Other than that, it's all been fishing. Yes, well, that's awesome. So, uh, when did you get your first boat? Uh, right after Katrina. Right after I Katrina. bought a boat from Dr. Calvin Washington, a 26-foot Glacier Bay with 2150 Hondas. 150 Hondas. 150 Hondas. <laughs> and the boat was slower than molasses. <laughs> I guess your range isn't what it is now with your new 39. With oh, the range is still the same. 300. Just took me a long time long to get there. Long time, yeah. Long 27 time miles an hour. Oh, boy. <laughs> what are you cruising at these days? About 50. About 50. Wow. That's awesome. And I mean, boats changed. have came a long way since oh. then. 
<laughs> boats come a long ways. And it, yeah. it affects the fishing too, because fish get pounded every day now. Yeah, yeah. It used to be that a fish got a break, now the fish don't get a break. Right, right. How long did you fish out of that Glacier Bay? About three years, and then I bought a 36 Palmetto. Mm, okay. Is that a cat? I don't even know what a Palmetto no, is. No, Palmetto is kind of like a smaller version of a contender. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I saw one the other day, actually. I don't know why I just said that. But yeah, um, so you yeah. had the Palmetto and... And me and Matthew Tibblier ran around the Gulf of Mexico spearing waves. <laughs> spearing waves. <laughs> and had a great time everywhere we went. <laughs> and, then, and then what was next after the Palmetto? The, the Palmetto happened then BP. The BP happened. Okay. And I bought a 36 Contender, which I ran for 10 years. Yeah. I remember that boat. You just it, sold it to the Butlers, huh? Yeah, I sold it to Venice Marina. I put 18,000 hours in that boat. Wow. And it's still floating. 18,000 hours. Wow. How many motors? How many sets of Three motors? Three sets. Three sets of motors in 10 years? Mm-hmm. There you go. That's pretty cool. And now you just bought into a 39. I bought a 39 Contender because I wanted to, I wanted to enjoy my life and ride around <laughs> the golf and have fun. Right, right, right. I'm getting older. I want to enjoy my life. There you go. There you go. Go fast. You think this is the last one? Are you going to keep it and see how it should I'm going to go as long as my body can go. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess you know some a lot of charter captains. I, I, enjoy I see fishing. the va- I see the value in keeping a boat a long time, but in charter fishing, you know, we all it all depends on how to what happens. But it might be my last boat. I don't know. But I just enjoy being out there on a golf and catching fish. Yeah, yeah. So, I will say that you know I fished with you a little bit, and uh, you know over the years, just jumping on, I jump on with people sometimes, and you always can tell that you really do love it. You know mm-hmm. you. I can fi- I can figure that out really quick with people. You know, there's a lot of captains down here that I hate to say it, but they don't like their job. And, I like my uh, job. Yeah, I enjoy it, my it's, job with my people. It, I enjoy making fun of my people. Right, I'm joking with them. <laughs> what are you, you trying to cast that? You do at? make fun of your people. It is like, what are you one of the most at? hilarious things. The air or the water. Ain't cast out the fish. <laughs> if the people can take it, it's fun. But <laughs> some people don't take it. But. It is what it is. I can't, I'm not going to please everybody. Right, exactly. And that's you know that's one of the things that I've kind of learned as a charter captain is you just got to be yourself. You can't you can't try to be anybody else. You're not going to make you know, everybody. You're not going to make happy. everybody happy. And I tell that to a lot of the customers is like you know if you come down to Venice and you didn't like the guide you were with, Try still come back and do it again because mm-hmm. eventually yeah, you'll find that person. person. Gonna mesh. The fishing is the best in the world. Yeah, and I will say that like you know you get a lot of people that like to fish. And uh, you know, with all different companies and everything, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't know if I necessarily. I think that's cool if that's what you want to do, uh, but I think there's a lot of value in building a friendship and a relationship with a captain, mm-hmm. and then you know, over the years, you develop stories and stuff together, and then like that's that's to me what I like, and and they can have goals, you know, it's like yeah. I want to come back to Venice to catch a 200 pound yellowfin or a 100 pound wahoo, you know what I mean? Whatever, Just whatever it. it is, but if you know you build that goal up. And you, you keep coming, and eventually it happens. You build that feeling, collateral yeah. relationships. Yeah, exactly. That feeling you build of collateral relationships means that you can you can have a bad day. Right. The fish don't always work out every day. Right, right, right. If you keep going to take people over and over, most days are going to be good. But some days are going to be bad, but they understand that, and they come back, and you have a good day. Yeah, yeah. What did you say about like uh, like cert- certain customers are luckier than others, though? Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like Some people show up and like, those mermaids are jumping over the sun. I'm like, how did this happen? I ain't caught a fish in a week, and they're everywhere. 
I swear, I, I say that we were talking, and I was talking to some people about this last night. I was, you know, uh, it's just so funny. There's some people, when I see them on my calendar, it's like I almost get excited. This guy's something good. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's, it, I feel like something cool is going to happen mm-hmm. with, with, with these people. And then other, like I had some customers one one time years ago, but they were like, man, you know, this is our, our fifth time down to Venice and we never caught a yellowfin, so I really hope we catch one today. And I was thinking in my head, well, probably ain't going to happen It's not a good sign. Yeah, it's man, definitely look. not a good sign. I don't know if it didn't happen that day. No, you got bad you. <laughs> some people, and other people, like, no matter what happens, like having a bad stretch, a couple of days, catch a black fin, a wahoo, this and that. They show up, you go out to the rig, and yell for everywhere. Like, what happened? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a funny one. But I mean, the, the best part about it is building relationships with people because they come and you get to hang from them. They, they ask about your kids, you ask about their kids, you hang out, you drink a beer, and you have fun. Right, right, right. Talk about the experience. Yeah, it is, it is. I, I do think that. If you that, come here expecting to catch fish, the most you possibly catch, you have a possibility of being let down. You come here to have a good time, you're probably going to have a good time. Right, right. I say I always say that too. You know, it's people's uh, charter is already predetermined by their expectations. Mm-hmm. So if they have these outlandish expectations, it could you're be probably you're probably going to have a bad trip though because it's never going to be enough for some people. No. You, you, it's always more, more, more. But if you just go out and ha- you know want to have a good time, it's, you don't. You, you're happens. not you going. To, you're not going to have a bad trip. No. <laughs> you're if just the expectation not. is a good time. You're gonna right. have a good time. Yeah, I always say if you if you had it if you had a good time and you came home safe, I mean that's that's it. You know mm-hmm. that's that's what you're there for. So. If you show up a trailer for 120 cold coolers, you're probably gonna be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you show your confidence when you see the people coming in with the a deep freezer and a generator on the back of their truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see, it can go either way here. <laughs> yeah, it can go either way. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Well, um. Man, let's go ahead and move into some stories. I know you got one. What's your biggest yellowfin? 225. 225. That's a man. How many you got over 200? Do you know? Nine. Nine over 200. That's impressive. I caught two 225s. The two, first 225 was a funny story. Yeah? Let's There's hear. me and, uh, I don't know if you know him, Matt Tiblier? Matt Tiblier, yeah. From Ocean yeah. Springs? Yeah. Me and him on a boat. And uh, we caught a couple small yellowfins. We're on a shrimp boats and by west of the 106 in November. November 4th, actually. And uh, we pull up. We catch a couple of 40-pounders. And then we pull up. And the next boat starts chumming. And all of a sudden, oh, my God. There's giant elephants everywhere. Giant elephants everywhere? Three or four of them. And I go, I get a hook bait on it. Put it in my hand. Try to throw the elephant. And all of a sudden, a giant bluefin shows up. Not giant bluefin. A giant blue marlin shows up behind a boat. On the shrimp boat. Oh, yes. Holy moly. I thought I bathed the blue yellowfin. I see a blue mall. I'm like, where did he come from? I completely missed the yellowfin. <laughs> he eats my bait. Swims away. I'm like, Ugh. my customer, he ties his, he's in the front of the boat. He ties his own knot, puts a croak on, drops it in the water. He's like, I got one. I'm like, good. Awesome. <laughs> we fight him for like an hour and a half. Put him in a boat. 225. Clean him. And he had my chunk in his bait. Really? That was the yellowfin I had missed. Wow. <laughs> but when I threw the bait in the water, I was like, that's the big yellowfin I've seen swim to my slick. And I completely missed him because there's the blue models went to the slick too. Really? <laughs> and a dusky. That's and- pretty wild. You can call it, you know, from the water. 
He said, that's the biggest yellowfin I've ever seen. Yeah, he's And it actually filling. was. And then uh, the other 225 I caught, me and Kyle Gray hooked them up together on horseshoes on a pokeball. And Kyle Gray threw the net. And then Kyle Gray pulled the net in the water at the boat. And we had like 500 by the pokies in the net. And we were paying 500, 500 pokey pickup in the boat. <laughs> we finally put one on the hook, chum them up, and uh, throw that thing. He eats the bait. And that's why right the Kyle caught us two thirty five. Yeah, I was right next to him that day. Mm-hmm. That. And Kyle said that that fish is not the same fish, but he's right in the same range. Right. Yeah. And we weighed him up two twenty five. Wow. Two right at twenty two twenty five. Oh, that's wild. Nine over two hundred. I don't. That's impressive. You do a lot of shrimp boat fishing though, huh? So that's I like, like shrimp boat fishing because it's activity, it's action. It's action. It's a lot more work. It's a lot more work. Yeah, but. It is. I'm not opposed to work. Right, right. I will say, though, I, sometimes fishing the shrimp boats can just be so frustrating. Oh, it because is. Because there's so many people that are doing it now, and it's kind of getting what well, has been over the last, I don't know, as long as I've been here. It gets mm-hmm. exploited too much, you know? It's just... It's not that many fish on them. Yeah, there's not enough... There's but not the enough ones fish, and there's not enough people that know... Like, a lot of the people out there don't don't really know what they're doing. So whenever they pull these fish off they the boats, they to the schools. Yeah, exactly. They pulling fish off the the boats, and then they're just the fish are lost. They're not around anybody. No, they splinter the schools, and it makes it a pain in the butt. Right. But it is what it is. Everybody's got their own desire to be out there fishing. Right. Right. It is what it is. I mean, you're right. You're Everybody's exactly got their own right boat. Because the only thing I get, I get frustrated. With it, don't yeah. get me wrong. But yeah, you do get frustrated. But they're, but everybody's they're got their own right to be out there. Yeah. And you know that's one thing I wanted to talk about too is like, uh, you know. Everybody has a dis- different perception as far as like, you know, somebody's on another boat and they, uh, they're they doing something and it's pissing the other guy on the other boat off. Whether they're too close or they're too, you know what I mean? And everybody's got a much different perception as to what that is. It might frustrate me sometimes, but it is what it is. I mean, it's the it Gulf of Mexico. Is. Right, right. Yeah. Down there on boat, you're having a good time. Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, just for the listeners, like, what is one of the main ways that if you're on a floating rig and you're, you know, you're tuna fishing, whether you're chumming or you're live baiting, what's one of the main ways that somebody can like screw you over? Like basically no, screw me over. It screwed themselves over too. Right. It's throwing too much bait in the water. Throwing too much bait. Now with the lump, the horseshoes, the middle lump, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you really can't over chum. Yeah. But you had that out of floater, and you're throwing constant like Mardi Gras chumming. Right. Throwing Bay Lake at Bevan Street. It it feeds the fish to keep them down deeper. Yeah. You can yeah. be light chumming. Right. Same you thing with live baits. Light, yeah. You want, to give, you want to get the fish to come to you. Right. If you foot too much away bait in the water, the fish stay deep and they don't come eat. Right, right. I mean, I, I have seen a lot of days, though, where you have to throw a lot more than other days if and you're telling live you chumming, a lot you know. more than other days to get them to come up it's really not you might catch a few fish but it's not as productive right right but what as far as like if people are live baiting I mean just for like our listeners you know if they're at a rig and you're if you got live baits out the back of your boat that's where the fish are going to come up so I've always thought like if somebody's directly behind your baits that's kind of screwing them. I'm not saying that the fish is not going to come up, but they're less likely to come up versus two boats being it gets like side by side or three I'm boats side saying, by side. I'm know? not saying it doesn't get frustrating at times, but I might not get some not so nice looks at times, but I understand what it is. I mean, we're all trying to 
You're everybody's trying to figure it out, and everybody's making their own deal. If that time, if that makes my me have a bad day, that's on that's on me. Right, right. It's a reflection on yeah, everybody else on the boat will see that. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's frustrating. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not gonna fuss at somebody else that bought a boat that goes out there 60 right. miles in the golf. I mean, what's what's right. the point? And that's one of the that things. make you look good. Yeah. It does not reflect well on me to fuss at some other people. Yeah, that's one thing I got really good about whenever I started fishing inshore, is that like I can't, I you know, offshore you're kind of taught like you, some days you might only get one or two bites, yeah, so you got to make them count. And so like true, a lot of the captains and stuff, they they take they you know they yell and they scream or they're mad at the deckhand or whatever it is, but they don't realize that the people on the boat they see all that and, mm-hmm. and inshore. I've come to realize that you just can't get mad at anything, and I guess it's easier because there's nothing frustrated. inshore. There's nothing inshore that they're gonna hook that I'm gonna be like that mad about losing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you only get two bites a day, sometimes it gets frustrating. It but does. you can't. Yeah. But you gotta. And I've managed to piss off my share of people. <laughs> Everybody pissed off people. Right, right, right. I had somebody tell me that my wife never talked to me like that. I'm like. I said, you ain't never met my wife. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you're not going to get off everybody. Right, right. And I know everybody you deal with, I deal with about 200 trips a year. So that's hmm, 800,000 people. You're not going to off everybody. Right. If you try to get off everybody, this is not gonna, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Right, yeah. Not saying you try to piss people off, don't get me wrong. But yeah. you're just not going to, you're not going to mesh. Not some personalities just don't get along with other personalities. It's it true. is what it is. It you is gotta learn true. It. It's so true. It is. It's that's very very true thing that you can. And some people love you for life, and some people are gonna meet you one day, mm-hmm. and like I can't stand that person. Yeah, I will say that. Like I, I would say that like about ninety percent of people I get along with fairly well. I'm pretty easygoing guy, but about once every three months I'll get somebody. I'm just like holy that's, moly. <laughs> that's the worldwide view. You get on like nice some of these people. 10% people, you're just not going to mesh with. You can't get along with everybody. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So, uh, I got a question. So, mm-hmm. you don't blue marlin fish at all, do you? I fucking hate them motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help myself. And, 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 you know, like, that's one thing that, like, I've always really, really enjoyed was whenever that big blue comes up and he's trying to eat that, he's trying to eat the yellow. Let no, rephrase this. I don't hate blue marlin. I hate blue marlin on a tuna tackle. Right, right, right. If I can pitch him a bait on a 200 pound leader yeah. and actually fight him and do what I need to do with him and grab a hold of the leader, it's one thing. Yeah. You hook a blue mod on an 80 pound leader, you sit down and fight him for three hours, and you get him about 10 foot from the boat, and you can't do anything else with him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you waste all the tuna day. And then you get, finally lose the mod three hours later, you come back to the dock with one tuna, and everybody's got six tuna. Like, what happened there? Like, you fought the damn mod for three hours. Right. <laughs> yeah, it is true. It eats into the fishing time. If I can put them on heavy leader and actually get a hold of the leader and pull them through my boat. Do you do that ever? Do you keep a pitch bait rod ready? Sometimes I do. Not you all do. the time. Not all the time. But sometimes I have one ready. Yeah. If I do see one marlin swimming to the boat, I'll be going up and throw it at them. We get jumps out of them, get into the boat, and deal with them in less than an hour. Right. Have you ever caught any giants? Like- the biggest one I've built was 110 inches. Okay. Yeah, I haven't caught any like massives yet. I'd say the biggest one I caught was maybe five hundred. If that's one hundred ten, it's by by five hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Well, um, what Damn, what is fish. what is? I, I'm sure yellowfin's like your favorite target. I've heard you say that before, huh? I like yellowfin. Yeah. What 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 would be second? Wahoo. Wahoo. Yeah. 
<laughs> I ain't gonna lie, man. That's I probably my every favorite. Day. That's probably my favorite. I'm like, if lie. it's a Wahoo season, my Wahoo base will be in the water every day. Yeah. At some point. <laughs> I don't know what it is about those things. You man. know what it is? You going phone around every day and all of a sudden? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the Wahoo lets you know. You don't mistake a Wahoo bite. Yeah, you can't. You can't. You really can't mistake a Wahoo bite. But I think the thing is, too, is it's kind of like, uh, you know, like, I'm trying not to get too deep into this, but it's because they don't bite every day. They no. don't eat every day. They don't bite every week. Right. You go to one week, and they'll be there. You go to next week, nothing. Next week, nothing. Next week, pull up, all the baits go off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they I, make another pass, you don't get another bite. You're like, <clears throat> I took four in 10 seconds, and I can't get another bite. Right. There's something too, you know, fish that uh, will humble you mm-hmm. in a way. And those fish definitely do. Like if, you know, I know uh, Joey Davis, he was like, it was like last month and Will went out and smoked them, you know, and he, I know he called Joey. He was like, yeah, you know, they're badass. Go get them. And Joey sent me a text. He said he was going on his birthday to go do it. Mm-hmm. And I sent, him, I sent him a text. I was like, don't go. Don't fall for that trap. <laughs> you don't have it the next day? <laughs> Not a thing. <laughs> you don't have it the next day? No. I caught 10 of 12 Mavics. Uh, somewhere else? No, I had the 12 Mavics. Was that where Will caught them that day? No. Will caught 24s. He caught like 6 or 7. Joey went offshore. He caught none. Joey told me, Joey told me I saw pogies at 12 Mavics. The next day I went to 12 Mavics and I caught 10 at the 12 Mavics. That's pretty cool. The day after his birthday. That's why. He's like, I wanted to stop there on the way in. But I had to make back to my birthday party. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> That's pretty funny. Mm. So that was the day after Joey. Mm-hmm. I got you. Will caught him. Joey caught none. I caught him. Yeah. That's what they do, though, man. They that's, that's what makes them awesome. Yeah. It, it, you can't it predict is. them. You don't it know what's going to happen. You got the that's expectation of mm-hmm. pull by rig, pull by rig, nothing, pull by rig, nothing, pull by rig. I think that's the same reason that so many people uh, in Louisiana like speckled trout fishing over redfish fishing. And mm. you get people from Florida, they don't like they don't like to catch speckled trout. They're, they're not fight. Well, they're not here. Well, they always say that speckled trout are easy are easy to catch. But for them, it's true because they have far less fresh water. They mm-hmm. got more salt water than, than fresh water. But here, it's the opposite. We got more mm-hmm. fresh water than salt water. You always got to find the saltier water to find a trout. I'm going to sit and, on my hands so I can't beat the table. <laughs> and uh, he, yeah, and uh, I, th- I really think that there's something to that with fishing is just that those the fish that humble you are the are the fish that are going to, that are going to like get you addicted even more. It's the fish expectation of catching. You yeah. hope to catch. Right, right, right. You expect to catch redfish. You hope to catch trout. Right, right. You expect but to not, catch. not for every, I, I, like not for everybody. I know a lot of people that just. Like if I like if I would have been looking for trout for a while and then I finally found them and they'll be like oh you know you don't want to get any redfish you know <laughs> most of them are like that most of them I'd say most of them like like redfish more I'm not trying to tell they you. pull harder yeah you're from do. Arkansas mm-hmm. not here for the meat yeah you want to catch fish that pulls really hard catch redfish mm-hmm. I like lane snapping there's honestly nothing funner than that to me putting on people on fish no they want you yeah, want that, to make them have a good time yeah yeah. That's what it is. You see their face. Amber Jack. <laughs> I like I I like light people on Amber Jack. Here's your ride. What's gonna happen? Oh. <laughs> there goes Amber Jack. Right, right. Yeah. They don't get to feel that. I mean, trout. They pull a little bit, but 
you get somebody redfish and like cork is down, you set the hook and all of a sudden whoo, takes off. Yeah. You don't get that in Arkansas. You yeah. don't get that in Missouri. You don't get that in Montana. Mm-hmm. You hook a fish up there, you just reel them in. Yeah. You got an inshore boat too, huh? I sold it to buy my 39T. Oh, okay. So you had it for a little while and mm-hmm. decided. I liked it, but I had it's hard it to do both, huh? It is. It's hard to do both. But Was I it? use my uh, 39ST to catch Lane Snappers all I want. <laughs> I love me some Lane Snappers. <laughs> me too, man. I love that. I love. It's something about there. watching Red Snapper, Red Snapper, Red Snapper. Ooh, it's got yellow stripes. Yeah, yeah. They pop up like, ooh, yeah. give me a smile. You know what I've been doing too, which is a lot of fun. I told Brennan, I don't know if he told you, but I was catching them on uh, vertical jigs. Oh, the, the like one the two ounce jigs. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's so much fun. And you get, you know, that's and they full hard. And they taste yeah, good. Yeah, they taste good. It's something about the yellow stripes. Yeah, you see the yellow stripes pop through the dirty water, and, like gives you a smile. Yeah, yeah, that is. That is I like doing fun. strange stuff. I don't like doing normal stuff. Yeah, what's the strangest thing you ever caught? A way you caught it? I caught a stingray at Ursa. At Ursa. Mm-hmm. I'm a jig. You're you're bullshit. There's no, no way. It's called a pelagic stingray. A pelagic stingray. I had to ask Brett Faltimore what it was like. Brett Faltimore's main biologist. Like, I caught a stingray at Ursa. What is it? A stingray. Got for the listeners that you don't know. So Ursa is a, a deep water platform. It's a production platform, mm-hmm. and it's in about three thousand. It's deeper out there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, three, three four thousand. Three or four thousand feet out there. And for somebody to catch a sting, I mean, stingrays are naturally bottom, bottom fish. Yeah. Bottom fish it's called a pelagic stingray. The purple. The purple. It was purple. Mm-hmm. Wow. You kept I, it? No, I didn't no. want to touch it. <laughs> really? How big was it? Eh, two foot across, 24 inch diameter. So like, you looked, I'm like, I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not touching it because it might kill me. You know, I was fishing with you one day, and when you, you always seem to bring in like the strangest boards. You'll have this like. And absurd, like just strange looking, you know. And I remember for one day we were fishing, and you caught a puffer fish on a popper. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that your profile picture for a no, little yes. while? <laughs> that well, that came from wild. this Kyle Gray. We saw a puffer fish a long time ago, and Kyle Gray caught on a, po- a popper. Yeah. And Kyle Gray's like, Yeah, I can do this. I'm like, Okay. <laughs> and me and Paul went out there one day. He's like, There's a puffer. I'm going to catch him on a popper. And sure enough, he ate it. I'm like, Kyle's like Kyle's so man I caught the on a picture of a papa <laughs> the one we called it a papa was a 109 yeah yeah it was at 109 mm-hmm. I remember that day oh gosh what was that you told that lawyer on the boat god uh, oh he was throwing the popper yeah this, this was a funny story Luke Skycaster yeah awesome. no, you, no so he was throwing the popper and uh it wasn't going that far and you <laughs> and you asked him what he did for a living and he was like oh I'm an attorney and you're like, oh, that makes fucking sense. <laughs> and the guy didn't take it as a joke. <laughs> it was okay. just weird. It was fucking like... He was casting fun. a papa from one side of the boat to the other. Yeah. <laughs> That's my buddy, Matt Powell. Matt Powell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's also the story. The Midnight Lump story. Yeah. <laughs> when Paul won. You want to tell that story, Paul? Oh uh, yeah, Chuck and Beer yeah. story. Same guys. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was the same guys. Oh yeah. yes, it was so funny. The guy was we were chum- we were sitting there chumming, and uh, we were catching black fins. I think we were at three ten. No, no, three ten. It was about the. Uh, we were at the middle lump. We were catching how black fin on how goes. We were screwed. We won't catch anything. That's right. That's right. But anyways, we hooked. We, we did hooked catch a big black. elephant at three ten though. But yeah, that was yeah, we day. did. That, yeah, that was another day. 
But anyways, yeah, we 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 hook something, and I'm like, man, I might be a better one, you know? Like, I might be, I might be a, a yellowfin Eddie, and he's like, nah, I don't think so. He's just fucking old. <laughs> like right there in front of the guy, and I was like, what? And the guy, and the guy kept kept reeling on the fish, and like ten minutes later, fish is in the boat. He goes, see, I told you, he's just old. <laughs> and the guy goes, and you look at him, you're like, how old are you, anyways? And he's like. He goes, uh, oh, I'm 62. And he's like, damn. You look like you're three days past 90. <laughs> I died. The guy was sitting there. It was so funny. I just remember. I got to have my fun, too. Time. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I'm out there on a boat. But, you know, like, that guy, he probably, he might have took it and not cared. He might have got pissed off about it. It is what it but is. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I got to have my fun out there, too. My yeah. fun is... Some Enjoy people and some people will be more attracted to that and come back for that. You 50 fifty. I mean? Yeah. They're gonna like me, they're not gonna like yeah. me. And I see that I see that with like uh captains and political posts. Mm-hmm. You know, like some of them are so hard, like Republicans and they post all the time with that shit, but they actually attract more of those and they don't get any of the other side. But I don't it's mind. like that they're like, more more I'll go either way. Right, right. It it is, but it's funny the way that people could like you attract the audience mm-hmm. that is going to gravitate toward you as a captain. I feel yes, like. yeah. but I can go either way. I I can discuss everything. I don't really. I don't want to try to offend people. But he did feel like not the old. Yeah, yeah, man. So what are some other stories? I know you got. I know you got a bunch. I remember one time, the uh, was in a cognac. My mm-hmm. buddy Casey Cox, mm-hmm. and uh. Like the house on a boat, I think, and some other people on a boat, and we hooked a yellowfin on a popper. We fought him for like three hours. Casey Cox had a Calcutta 400 with 50 pound power power. And we, I'm on a ride, finally, like, I'm probably 22, 23 years old. And all of a sudden, we see this giant shark down there. Hmm. I like, look down, I was like, that's a great white. They don't come to Gulf of Mexico. I look around beside me. Everybody, everybody, you know how you find a fish, everybody's beside you looking at the fish? Yeah. I look beside me, everybody's gone. I'm like, where'd y'all go? They're on the other side of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> like, I look at this, the shark looked like it had a 55 gallon bale of a fence. Wow. It was giant, huh? A thousand pounds plus? Yes. And I was like, I don't know what it was. It's, like I said, it's about 2003. And like 10 years later, they tagged the great white and they all came straight to the Gulf of Mexico. I'm like, that was a great white. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, they have, I mean, they do come in the Gulf. They track them. But this is like 10 years before they said they came in the Gulf. Right, right, right. And I'm like, it's a, that's crazy how little they know. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like, the shark looked how like new some of the a 55 gallon bale with a pointed nose and fence. Yeah. And if I'd be so to I'm like, that is not a makeup. Yeah, they I've seen pictures and stuff of them like at 143. Years, like 143, yeah, they had some really good pictures of them. That shark was gigantic. Yeah. It was, and it was crazy. All the pictures you see, it was like it carried an ecosystem with them. All the fish and mm-hmm. stuff were and following he was them. As wide as a ship almost. Yeah, he was so big. Gosh, he was so big. I went I wanted to go back out there and see him. I did go out there the next three days and try to catch him. Did you? Well, I really did try to catch him. I was hoping to see him. Right, hoping to see I him. I told around there and kept like, where's you at? Are you at home? Please come up. That'd be cool. I said I went there the next three days and chilled around 143 and I'm hoping to see that shot because he was that giant. Right. 
what's uh you caught any big Makos? We fought a Mako. Oh, this is a good Mako story. The Mako probably died, but we didn't catch him. Mm-hmm. On Super Bowl Saints Sunday in 2009. Dude, there's something weird about Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday is always it epic al- shit It always happens. epic shit. It really is. The Saints on the Super Bowl. And I think it's actually 2 out of 10 at that point because the one... I don't know what it was, but it was in a horseshoe lump. And I had some Marines on a boat. And we caught some tuna. It was called five or six nice 90, 100 pound yellow fence. All of a sudden, this shark comes up like, oh my God. And we hook him. We fight him for like two hours. Scott Leger brings me a shotgun. I get to my, my main recon force guy. <laughs> yeah, the the real deals. On oh the yeah, <laughs> give him the gun. It's like shoot the motherfucker. <laughs> and uh, we get into the boat and we shoot him, and he doesn't die. He takes off. I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> get back to the boat again. Shoot him again. I had the flying gaff in my hand, and I went to gaff the shark. And I looked down, and my customers, being customers, they're excited. And he was inside the rope. So I didn't stick the shock. Uh, I looked like he like, had a guy from the ropes around his ankle. Not around him, but just behind him. Like, I didn't stick him. He's like, back up, back up, back up. And he takes yeah. off again one more time and breaks off. Damn. Yeah. He was probably a thousand pound Mako. He was huge. Really? A thousand pounds? On the horseshoe lump. And wow. everything was right except my customer... Doing what customers doing, they excited and everything. It was not a problem. It just he's, I didn't it want to. It was a flying gaff you had. On flying the gaff. He was inside the rope. That oh, wasn't gonna stick. Man. Him. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> that is wild. I remember that one day I was fishing. Uh, I was with Voodoo at the time, and we were at Elf, and uh, I was I was on the other boat. But you hooked you hooked Mako at Elf mm-hmm. on sixty pound leader, and I remember. If, it was going nuts and everything, and you actually got a couple oh, yeah. gaffs in that thing. Oh yeah! You didn't actually get it in the boat. My deck hand got them I off my gaff. But I thought that was so crazy to actually even get it to the boat. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like a hundred. I mean, it was like a hundred pound, two hundred pound. Yeah, probably two hundred pound. It was about slick pound calm. Mako, yeah. No yeah, kind of slick calm. calm. Yeah. I have a video of him. Do you? Yeah. And I have a video of my deck hand knocking him off my gaff. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> that is what ungaffed. happened because you gaffed him and he tried to stick him again, and he ungaffed and, him from my gaff. Yeah, he ungaffed him from your gaff. I'm like, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> that would be so cool to say that you landed a mako on sixty pound pet. Oh yes, that would be awesome to be able to say. We that. did land him. Yeah, kind of got away. Kind of got away at the end there. Huh? <laughs> it happens. Yeah, that's why bring you out there every day. You yeah. never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. You might be driving offshore one day and like, what was that? Just jumped out the water because that would make a big splash. <laughs> a couple years ago, me and Brennan were heading offshore, heading south on the Twelve Mile Rigs between Twelve Mile Rigs and the Lightning Rod. It's like, what was that? And me and Brennan were like, a five hundred thresher shark just starts jumping beside a boat. Really? Nor for the Lightning Rod. Biggest thresher I've ever seen. Just free jumps like ten times in front of us. So I'm like. Ten times? Oh, yes. That's pretty awesome. Like, he just kept jumping like, what are you doing, buddy? <laughs> Those are, that, that's an awesome fish. It really is, man. They're cool. They really are. I mean, yeah. 
they're frustrating and you hook them because you got to fight them all the way up. But how many people in your life are going to see a touch shuck? Yeah. Not many people. Yeah. I caught one one time sword fishing. I know. As I said, you caught one. One, yeah. I've yeah. caught four. Yeah. And you know, that's what's weird when I was on the boat. We caught a thresher. And the captain that I was with, I won't really say who it was, but or the people I was with, they were like disheartened because we were sword fishing. I know it's frustrating. You're like a sword, but the touch shot is but cool. It's cool. Shit. You know what I mean? Sometimes They're gorgeous people, creatures. Sometimes people need to appreciate what's out there. Just be happy about whatever comes up, and then yeah. just be happy. I took a trip. The <laughs> there is something. There is something to be said about like, you know, if you go in tuna fishing, and you come back with a bunch of amberjacks. To me, you're still skunked in a way. It is, but it's the it's, it's still, the best but it's making do. it. It's making it happen. You know what I mean? It's, it's so the I best you I, can do. I caught a thrasher shark, and my customer wanted to. Uh, he's like, he's a, I don't know. He's like, can I shoot the thrasher? I was like, no. Threshers are cool. Right. You, not many people in life are gonna hold see a thrasher. You cannot kill the thrasher shark. Yeah. Man, a, they, they don't. There, there's something that people need to get out of them with that, as far as like the the kill all mentality. That no, it's a, you know it's a mean? cool it's, shark. Right, right, right. It's it, just. Senseless killing, senseless killing to me is is just something I can never stand behind. It's not. It's just not the way I was raised. I told him, like, you cannot do that. There's very few people in life are ever gonna see one of these. Right. Yeah. They're cool. They're beautiful. They they live down there, two thousand foot, and eat squid or whatever they eat. I don't know what they eat all the time, but they're not doing that. Right. Right. Just cut the line. Yeah. In inshore, sometimes you'll have people do that. You know, they want to coal. They want to, oh man, we got these bigger redfish. Let's throw back those little ones. And it's no, like, the no, little ones are, no, we could have went in. We're still just catching them. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you can cut them go. It's fine. Right. But I'm not throwing back. Like they, I've had a couple customers ask me that since I've been in shore fishing. If we can throw back the little one in the cooler that's already dead to keep the other bigger one. I'm just like, no, no. And, I don't, and, I, and quite frankly, I don't care if you come back either. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just not what I'm about, you know. No, I get that. Yeah. Maybe we've all... It happens sometimes. Bad decisions. But overall, it's not what I'm about. Right. I'm not going to kill a cool stuff just because you, know? you want to. Because it aggravated you. Because you get it off 15 on a foot. Right. And that's and that's one thing as a fisherman, man. We've all killed too much at one day or another. Oh, yeah. We all make... We've all, we've all made some dumb decisions. We all have bad days. And we were getting attacked by mahis and we came back to the dock with 80 mahis. And- I'm like, oh... <laughs> What did I just do? <laughs> exactly. But what you can do is learn from it. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and and what I always try to do is like, whenever you do it, you feel like the man. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You feel like uh, the man at the dock and everything. But whenever somebody else does it and you look at it and it makes you think of it in a different mm-hmm. way at some point. Like, eh, <laughs> is that, is that what much? I really looked like when I did that? Yeah, exactly. Oof. <laughs> And you know, there's something too. I I I haven't talked about this before, but you know, we caught uh, one day. We caught like five yellowfin, and they were over. They were big. You know, they were all big. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's too much. Five mm-hmm. yellowfin, around 150 pounds, give or take. One some were 120, some were 180, yeah. whatever it was. To me, to me, that's probably too much for it a group of is. like four or five people. The thing is, though, you have to... Go ahead, go ahead. Ideally, ideally, every customer gets to kill a fish. Right, yeah. Ideally, that is true. A quality fish. Right. It could be Wahoo. I mean, 
like you said, four 150 elephant for four people is too much. Right. But ideally, you want every customer to kill a quality fish. Right, right. Which is... And and, and, then, and sometimes people need to realize that it's all team effort out there, too. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to make it, you know, like, oh, I'm going to catch this fish and, that, you know, that guy doesn't. I, I feel like the trips are more fun whenever you make it a team effort versus, like, a competition between the people. It's just about fun when you got to have a good time. Right, right. If you got to have a good time, you're going to have a good time. Right. You drink some beers, hang out with your friends, catch some fish. Don't get that fish go. Right, right. If you want to kill them, it's part of our job, too. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to let them go, it's okay, too. Right. But one thing that I thought was weird, what I was getting at with that story was, you know, we killed five yellowfin that were around 150 pounds. And then it was like a week later, um, I won't say any names, but somebody went and killed like four swordfish. And they were, you know, all around the same weight. Yeah. And people thought that that was gro- Some of the captains thought that that was grossly too much. Like, who needs that much swordfish? And I was like, well, what's the difference in doing that and killing that many yellowfin that are that big? Cause, I do believe there's probably more yellowfin than all swordfish in the Gulf. Yeah, and that's what they said too. But you still don't damage me. Yeah, that's what they said too. But to me, how do you know that? It's true. And you, you don't know. You don't know. And both of those species are found throughout the world. Yes. The whole entire planet has swordfish and yellowfin too. Mm-hmm. Any pelagic species are almost found in every ocean. And mm-hmm. the odds of us being able to, you know, make them go extinct on a rod and reel, it's probably not likely because they're found everywhere the way that I see it. I don't know if that's right or not. But the thing that I said was too much is too much. It doesn't matter if it's swordfish or yellowfin. Mm-hmm. If you think that there's more yellowfin than swordfish out there, I mean, you could say that, but to me, they live so deep, and there's so much more area for swordfish to live in. I thought of that, man. I, I I go back and forth with that all the time. It's really hard to say, but I, I, I think whenever people try to guess how many fish are out there, that's a hard thing to do. And I don't. I think everybody's no. Wrong. You're wrong. Everybody's wrong. You're wrong one way or one way or the other. You're wrong. It's way too much. Way too <laughs> There's no way not. I thought of day I caught five elephant. They were seventy pounds a piece, eighty pounds a piece. We went in. We made a drop. We caught a swordfish on the way down. We never even found bottom. I told that guy numb nuts over there that they either lost the weight or there's a swordfish out here. Cause we, <laughs> we couldn't even find bottom. We kept reeling up like, <laughs> you either messed up and we lost the weight or there's a swordfish from his face to surface. Ended up being a swordfish from his face to surface. It's 150. 150? Yes. We put him in a boat. I told my guys, we had five elephant. We call the service on the way down. We are not making another drop. We have plenty. We have enough. There's no reason to make another job because not a swordfish. Right. Yeah. If I, right. Go tuna, if I go tuna fishing, I have a successful day tuna fishing. Three, four, five, whatever it is. And I catch once. I make a drop. I catch one swordfish. No matter how big it is, I kill them. And we go on. We don't that's make it. another drop. Yeah. That's it. That's a day. There's that's no it. reason to kill four, sword, four tuna and two swordfish. Right, swordfish right. meat goes a long ways. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I thought they, last year me and Grant caught a 180. I think we had 130 pounds of meat off the 180. Off the swordfish? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, That's pretty impressive. So there's no reason to drop again. Right, right. That's a lot. Yeah. And swordfish meat, it lasts. It does. I will say, I think swordfish meat peeps better than tuna. Mm-hmm. Probably better than any other other pelagics. Pelagics, yeah. Dolphin meat does not keep that well, I don't think. Mm. I'd say it's probably tied between... 
Wahoo and swordfish. I don't know. I felt like Wahoo takes Wahoo, care of. you take care of. Cut the red meat off. Cut the skin off. And put them in paper towels. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. Have you uh, have you ever done... Uh, do you ever bleed any of your fish? No. You because don't. I don't believe bleeding makes a difference on a day trip. If you ble- yeah. stay out overnight or two days, mm-hmm. I can't make a difference. Yeah. You know, on a I single day, the fish only dead for four or five hours. Right. You know, I used to think that too. And uh, Mark Davis, he started. Uh, I started doing a TV show with him, and mm-hmm. he, you know, he preaches to bleed all his fish on his show and everything. And whenever I go and dive, and me growing up, me and my brothers, that's what we did. You know, we we would whenever you kill a fish in the water, you gut it and gill it, mm-hmm. you put it in the boat, and whenever you get home, there's no blood in the fish, and there's no blood on the table or anything. So. Actually, this past August, I started bleeding all my fish, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you what a difference it makes, on, especially on uh, like sheephead. You know how like you clean sheephead, and they have like there's like blood on the fillet. I since you said it's made to clean. Yeah, I clean my own, man. I I think that I clean a, anything besides the sheephead. Right, but I I really I don't know, man. I really I really enjoy cleaning fish. I I think it's like kind of therapeutic in a way. It's almost like basking in your glory. I did and too. I, and there was something about like I felt like I wasn't taking as much pride as I wanted to bleed my fish because, you know, whenever I do it for myself, but I'm not doing it for my customers, mm-hmm. it made me feel a weird way. And I was like, you know what? I need to start bleeding all my fish. So now every day I bleed all my fish. And you know, most customers, man, it, it's probably it probably doesn't make sense. It probably it probably doesn't. They probably it probably doesn't even register to them that I, what I'm doing is actually making their meat better. But. I sleep a little bit better at night. That's <laughs> what it is. I sleep. I feel a little bit better about killing them, that they're you know being properly taken care of. The thing about so bleeding sometimes that, is you know. on these boats. It's just yeah. I'm not defending myself here at all. It makes a bloody mess sometimes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. What I've done is I take a knife and I shove it straight through their gills one put time. Put in a fish box. And I put yeah, put them in the fish box first, mm. and slush it, and whenever they bleed it all out, you know, mm. and it does make a big difference even on the tunas, man. Like we, whenever I was with Mark Davis, we caught a bunch of tunas, mm-hmm. and we, you know, he didn't bleed one of them, and that like there's blood on the fillet whenever you cut it off. If you if you bleed them, you can tell the difference. Now what a lot of fish. people do with tuna is they pull the heart out, which I think is a bad thing to do because that's well, the once pump. you put the heart, they stop bleeding. Right, they stop beating, so the blood's beat. getting right, right. But uh, yeah, if you cut the gill or you cut just behind the gill where you open the stomach mm-hmm. cavity, and I think that that's the best way to bleed a tuna is underneath, basically your your arm. Yeah, yeah, the the pec fin. Basically, your arm would be on your arm right here on the pec fin. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. And actually, I got a buddy down here right now that's uh, he's he's trying out for a job down here, but he's he just did a whole season out in San Diego, and he said that they bleed all their fish. Hmm? And I was, I, they they said that, on, but those are multiple day trips, like you said. Multiple day trips makes a difference, and honestly, we have to go off on a daily basis, and there might be some sort of laziness a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it is. Right. So, it is a sense of laziness. There we got lots of going on. It's yeah. make a mess, mm-hmm. and and any customers are out there, man. I I would say like if you do care about your catch. Once the fish is, and the, you got to realize the deckhand and the captain, they got a lot of stuff going on. They're going to be, you know, looking at getting lines back out and everything. But if you want your, you know, fish kept up, once it's in the ice box, nobody's going to care if you go up there and you stick a, you know, knife in the I have no problems with people requesting to the fish. Right. If they want to take care of the fish a little bit better, hell, we do, do it. it. Do it. What right. we do in the fish box. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Don't, don't cut him while he's 
Don't like, cut every bleed fish. Him. I'm like, no, 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 like, no. You want to bleed them, put them in the fish box, and then we bleed them. And, and the thing is, it's not just about keeping the boat clean. I mean, you got you got to keep the boat clean, and what's well, safety factor too? Yeah, it's safety. There's Blood, there's a lot slipping. of thi- there's a lot of things with that, and you stay fishing long because mm-hmm. the boat's got to get clean. So if the boat's dirty, that's less time that you're actually mm-hmm. fishing. It's 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 small, but it adds up. It adds up throughout the day if you just yeah. every fish you catch is in the back of the boat. Blood's going everywhere, especially early. Right, right. When you're live baiting, live chumming, yeah, stuff's going on. You might catch all ten bites in less than an hour. Yeah. Now we're fishing the horseshoes. You're chumming a slower pace, and everything's different. Wahoo fishing is different, but a live bait at a floater, yeah. you catch all fish. Be done in an hour. Yeah. And you go do other stuff. You go swordfish. You go wahoo fish. You go mango fish. I will say that bleeding wahoos makes a big difference. I really think so. I, I really think was... it does. Whenever, whenever you get, whenever you get home and there's blood in your bag, in the bag of the fish, bad gaff shots. Well, those black blood. The, the, whenever you fillet it and there's blood on top of the fillet, that's what it's from. It's if you bad bleed gaff it, shots. they don't. Like I've noticed it from spearing fish. Most of the time, mm. you spear fish and stuff. Wahoo, they, bad though. You spear, you spear wahoo in the middle. The blood, the tendons, the ligaments separate. The blood goes everywhere. You mm. hit a wahoo right in the belly, right behind the head. It's not as bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, wahoo are very sensitive meat. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, whatever. Whenever I, sh- I've learned over the years, because I remember when I was, gosh, I shot my first. I missed my first wahoo when I was sixteen, and it was a couple years later when I actually landed my next one. But it took me a while because whenever I'd shot, when I would shoot them, you'd shoot them in the midsection. It was just like whatever was big enough. Then people started telling me that you got to shoot them in the tail. tail. Yeah, in the tail. The ligaments hold it together. All the ligaments and the the skin's a little bit thicker. So if you shoot them in the tail, and I remember one day, I actually, I will never forget this day. I shot six of them, and uh, that all of them were in the tail. I I shot my biggest one that day. At the loop? 92 pounds. With John Pisa? Yep, with John Pisa. You couldn't catch any of them. Caught one, I think. Yeah, yeah. we, We had one bite. And I remember Kyle Gray actually pulled up. Him and Will Wall were out there fun fishing. At the loop buoys. Uh, yeah. And he got in the water and actually was just looking at him with me. Then John Pizza tried to chase him out like a, kind of like a beluga whale. He yeah. didn't get any of them. Yeah, it was funny. And and uh, that was that was so crazy, man. I remember it was all day. Like, I, as soon as I got in the water, mm-hmm. like, you weren't marking them. No, you told me you saw 100-pound plus wahoos just swimming around. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. Like you, you wouldn't mark them, and I think it was because they were so high up. But I got in the water, and it was just like, holy moly! Like I was shaking, and uh, I think I missed a couple. And I don't know. I ended up getting a few, and they, they was so, it was so crazy. They were trolling the whole time that I was sitting in Not the water, and there were no bites or anything. And they even had a dredge out, and I, they would pass me, and I would see like twenty wahoos just following, just like. I don't know, 30 yards behind their baits, you know, just kind of following the boat along. And I'm like, yo, just stop. Just stop for a second and see if y'all can see them. Because they're literally right there. And they stopped and let the dredge just hang in the water. And then the wahoos came up and they saw like three or four of them. They could see them sitting there in the water. Not I've eating. noticed a lot of times with wahoo fishing, you pull and you pull and you pull and you make a turn and that's when they eat. Yeah. Yeah, I notice you do that. You know, you... you as soon as you make a turn... Yeah. You know, I remember when we, we, we fished one day together. It's like, wahoo are crazy fish. You know, you got to do crazy things. You got to 
circle back around. You gotta make weird loops, speed up. I've seen you pass the rig and just gas it real hard and speed they, up. Yeah. Like a bass, you gotta make them do react. something different. Yeah, do something different. That, that's there ain't no. I feel like there's almost not a wrong way to troll for Wahoo. No, there's not. There's no, there's really not. They, they react to stuff. They no. At first pass, they'll be stupid. Every after that, they react to stuff. Like you be right. do straight. something different, right? As soon as you make a turn, boom, I eat it. Like, right. Would you say like um, when trolling for Wahoo, you don't have to dec- disclose any information that you don't want to disclose, obviously. But um, whenever trolling for Wahoo, would you say that like most of your hits are going to be in your first couple passes? Yes. Yeah. Generally, the first pass. Generally, the first pass. Right. That's what I would say too. I heard a story one time of a captain. I think it was Will. Trolled a rig for like four hours. <laughs> have you ever done anything like that? No, I'm not that. No. <laughs> not that set on one? I don't have that much patience. <laughs> I come back four hours later and troll it. Right, right, right. But I'm not going to sit there the same rig and troll around and around for seconds. Like, it's good going on, keep going, go back. Yeah. That's then one walk. thing is me as a captain is people will realize if you ever come fish with me is I'm not patient. If I'm sitting in a spot and I'm not catching anything. Don't I'm there patient. like 20 minutes and I'm gone. That's the only it. time I'm patient is at a rig when I'm chumming and I'm mocking them. Eventually yeah. they will bite yeah. and chum. That is true. Might that is get true. Anybody. It's hard to leave. Like if you know the fish are there, it's hard to leave the fish to go find the other ones. You chum, marking singles specifically. You mark a bunch of fish, hard to chum them up. You mark singles, eventually you'll get a few bites. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of the same with like red fishing in a way. Like if it's, it's a slow, point. if it's a slow bite, and you know that it's a slow bite that day, just you, just, pick you just gotta sit there and pick away at them. That's just the nature of it. But uh, live baiting, it's hard to pick away. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's either happening or no bueno. <laughs> now you throw twenty bass in the water, and none comes up. You're probably in trouble. Yep. But yep. you can sit there and make chum drift, chum drift. Generally, about the thirty fourth chum drift. If you're marking them, or you're seeing them on top, generally you'll get a few bites. You might only get three bites a day, but it's better than not getting any bites. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Man, so uh, you do some bottom fishing. You caught some warsaws. What's your biggest warsaw? One ten. One ten. Nice one. Mm-hmm. Are you ever actually specifically fish for them, or is that like by Yes, fish? when I specifically fish for warsaws, I get sharks. Sharks. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to make a butterfly bait, big old leader, drop it down. Like, my bait going swimming like this. And I catch a sandbar shark. Yeah. Every time. I'm like, Man, it's true. You know, I did a lot of warsaw fishing when I was fishing with Jake. And, uh, man, doing that, you. It, it really is. You got. It's just like anything else, though. You got to put in the time and mm-hmm. you learn how. Oh to no, I hooked a few. Don't get me wrong, but mostly it was the sandbar sharks. I call yeah. them Warsaw sharks. Warsaw sharks. Because they fight, <laughs> act like at first, like they kind of pull down, like it might be Warsaw. You kind of get them halfway up, and all of a sudden, doom, 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 like, yeah. it's a shark. Yeah. You okay. do a lot of you do a lot of scamp grouper. Oh, scamps are fun. That is fun, huh? I love jigging with scamps. Yeah, that is fun. That really is jigging <laughs> for scamps, man. That is. I've done that a couple times with you, and uh, you hit there's, them. it's just something about you like, know when you got one. Whenever you, whenever you know what you got, mm-hmm. like whenever you hook, there's no mistake in it. No, I like targeting just, fish. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I like trying to catch uh, be lane snapper, be liner, scamp, yellowfin. I like trying to catch what I'm trying to catch. Yeah, and and customers customers ask me all the time, like, what's your favorite thing to catch? And I'm like, man, for me, it's more about the chase. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter what. It is. I want to catch what I want. Redfish are by far one of my favorite fish to target mm-hmm. but it's if i've you know if i've been on them for 10 days and i got a day off i'm probably not gonna go redfish fishing because yeah. i've already you know already did that but uh 
when nobody else is catching them and I find them and I slaughter them, mm. that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the chase. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's wahoos, whether mm. it's lane snappers. It doesn't matter. No, I like to catch what I, I'm trying to catch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bonus fish are fine, too. Don't go wrong. Yeah. Bonus fish are fine, too. There is something to be said about, like, if you go tuna fishing, you don't come back with tuna, you come back with wahoos or whatever that's mm-hmm. still cool yeah. or a swordfish that's still cool but you're still skunked in my mind yeah <laughs> you know what i mean you got you can't you gotta let it humble you you mm-hmm. have to let it oh i've been humble a lot of times yeah. i've gone up to think i know what the hell's going on and come back in with my tail between my legs going like yep <laughs> god yeah. thank you you tell me how i know i'm doing i right. ain't catching nothing today right 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 yeah. you got the next day like i forgot how to fish yeah i don't what, know what i'm doing anymore what's your biggest scamp do you know Oh, about 26 pounds. 26 pounds? That's Me and Jay Gauss caught it. Really? That's a giant, man. That's uh, that's something weird I mean, about you. You remember things like crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you realize that, but you got an insane memory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, my biggest, well, not mine. I was with somebody. They shot one. We were scuba diving. I was actually on scuba. I was much younger. We got one that was 28 pounds off a beer can. I say a beer can. You dad shot it, huh? That was uh, my buddy from Guatemala, Omar Vasquez. I mean, he told me he shot some giant group at beer can. Yeah. Which is surprising. It is. But, you know, um, that fish was 48 years old. That's... I believe it. That is insane to think that. There was actually that um, that same stretch when we were diving that rig. We saw a Goliath grouper there. That far offshore, and for people listening, the beer can is is a is a production rig that is off the shelf. It's about twelve hundred foot of water. It's, it's a couple thousand. Yeah, tuna rig. It's, it's a tuna rig for sure. And uh, but you know, one thing that I will say that's interesting about that uh, one thing that's interesting about that rig, whenever we were diving it, was whenever we first started diving it. Looking back on it, we didn't realize it at the time, of course. But looking back on it. It was like we were the first people that had ever been there in mm-hmm. quite some time, which I be- I kind of believe we were just because it was so – it's kind of like out the way for divers. Nobody Nobody, nobody's going to dive it. You know what I mean? And uh, we caught, we shot some big scams, some big mangroves, some you know, just all different types of stuff, some giant almacos and stuff like that. But it's never been the same since. And so I think I think – the lesson I learned with that is those, you know, those rigs that they're are off the shelf. They don't, they're not they don't replenish. They don't replenish as fast as the rigs that are closer to the river. I caught a mangrove at Mars one time. Yeah, yeah, they're out there some at night. Out there, chumming yeah. for tuna. Like, what the heck is this thing? <laughs> Trolling? No, chumming. Chumming at Mars at night. And you caught a mangrove. Oh yes. That's just bananas. The uh, I don't know Cameron Kakano. He shot a bunch of scamps at Blind Faith one day. With Will Wall. Really? On the cables at Blind Faith shot scamp group Blind Faith is about six thousand foot deep. Yeah, yeah. It's true, man. Whenever you those big production platforms are so cool to I don't get to dive them enough because there's mm-hmm. not I don't know. It's a long not, ways off. It's a long ways off, and divers don't like going out there. I don't know for whatever reason. I enjoy it. I, I like the idea of just not knowing what the hell you're gonna yeah. find out. Oh there. no, there's no telling. I've caught yellowtail snappers off drill ships. Yeah, but they have those big like you know they sit and they you know all the coral grows mm-hmm. in the first fifty foot of the water column. So, and they'll have these big ledges and stuff where it's like a like a fake seafloor and 
there's groupers. They, they have all kind of stuff. I, I know Cameron's. He's shot. He shot all kind of stuff off mm-hmm. the marble groupers and different weird things off of them. But it probably comes from the loop current. It slowly drifts in. I it just a, slowly replenishes. And some. I caught a yellow tail snapper on a weed line one time. A what? A yellow tail snapper on a weed line. Really? Probably wow. three inches long. Really? That's pretty no, cool. no doubt about it. I mean, he's looking like oh, Sabiki Vega. I'm like, that's a yellow tail snapper. Yeah. <laughs> Dump back in the water like. I don't know where he came from exactly, but we're in the middle of nowhere. Right. <laughs> I've got plenty of rainbow runners before, so I know what they look like. Yeah. What do you think about rainbow runners? You know, in They're Venice, phenomenal. For in Venice, you know, they've kind of been considered a trash fish for a long time because we catch them and they dump people. Uh, them I tell my customers to eat them if they like them because they're good sushi. The the sashimi is probably better than most. Yes, <laughs> it really is. It's got like a buttery they, texture to it. They have an oily. They degrade quickly, so you got to take care yeah. of get them iced down really quickly. Yeah. And I've never cooked one, but I've ate them plenty of sashimi. I've cooked them and they're good, too. Good, too. Yeah. But if I need catch, cut up one to catch the elephant, I'll cut up one to catch the elephant. Right, right, right. But I tell people, it's like, if you want to eat them, they're really good to eat. It is probably one of the most underrated underrated. I think Amoco Jack's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's an under, underrated fish. Now, what, what do you think about an overrated fish? Which fish, as far as taste-wise, is an overrated, overrated fish? Oh, I would say cobia. I was going to say cobia or red snapper. Yeah, yeah. Red snapper's rated red snapper's be better, better than all the other snappers, and now about the same. Yeah, they're all kind of the same in a way. I like snapper. I like but snapper. I would say I would say cobia for me. I'm cobia. I've I'm heard not a fan. so many people. I've heard them. so many people say that that's their favorite fish, and, and I like eat them. true fishermen, like 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 legit. Like, and I cut them up and I eat them, and like, no, yeah, it's not. It's good. I'll eat it, but it's not. No, they are super fun to catch. Yeah, they are. They're one. Of, what's your biggest cobia? Mm, the one we landed or one Michael Pittman lost. <laughs> Let's tell both. I like to hear. The one landed was. Now I'm telling you, cobias, you lose, <laughs> you lose some. It's hard. The one we landed about sixty five pounds. The one Michael Pittman gaffed was probably 100 pounds. His head was a foot wide. We dropped down something at Big 310. We Wahoo fishing. I think we caught a couple of Wahoo. And just flat calm, nothing going on. It's like, and we caught like a B-liner. Mm-hmm. And we dropped them back down. It's like, let's see if we can catch Amberjack. This is back in Amberjack season. open at one time. And we dropped it down. And we were like, something don't seem right. The rod's like bent over, but it's not really bent over. And we were on this thing. I'm like, Something's going on wrong here. They reel them all the way up. I look down I'm like, holy shit, it's a hundred pound cobia. <laughs> we didn't know he had him on. He like, he like kind of loaded it right up a little bit. We thought the bait was like helicoptering up. Right. So Michael Pittman grabs the gaff. He gaff stuck them. him green, huh? Oh, green. it was bad. Oh. <laughs> Gets him halfway over the boat. Michael Pittman's a big boy. And... Well, we didn't get the cubby. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> they got him mostly in the boat. And then, I don't know what happened. Right. It kind of rolled. They do that roll. And they got the engines. We had about a 200 pound leader. Just shit went south. Yeah. yeah. And you got a what? That's yeah. the biggest cubby I've ever seen in my life. He was a foot wide. Wow. Yeah. That's in February. In you know, world. I've gotten a few dream fish. Um, but I'd say... Probably my two top that I that I have right now that are on the agenda would be a hundred pound Kobe and a hundred pound Wahoo. I've never caught a hundred pound Wahoo. Really? That's I've caught probably a dozen crazy. over ninety pounds. I've never caught. A, you don't I've ever had, use J hooks though, huh? 
I do. You use J hooks? All my my whole boat's made up J hooks right now. Really? Hmm. I've had a few Wahoo done some stupid stuff to me, and I just didn't get them. I've had Wahoo take like five hundred yards a line, and whatever multiple reasons get cut off. Right. And just end up losing. What's your them. biggest? I'm sure you got ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Got new two ninety six the last year. Wow. One at. 75 and wanted the main pass 299. Hmm. Would you say that like our Wahoo have been better in the past than what they are? I think Wahoo gets pressured more and more every year, so it makes them slow down a little bit. Numbers is not different, but the size wise is getting down. Wahoo so, grows super quick. Yeah. Wahoo, a 40 pound Wahoo, I think is only like two years old. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think with like things like Wahoo. Is, and like Mahi, Triple Tail, even. My, triple Tail goes super fast, I'm fun to understand. Yeah, yeah. Like super fast. Yeah, we're supposed to find out those big ones that I caught this past year. They had a, a 38, a 36, and a 32, all yeah. in 24 hours. And uh, they got the Odalis on all of those. I think they're super and they're quick. They're supposed to age them. And they, I heard that a 39 was like six years old. Yeah, they grow so insanely I can't fast. Wait, I can't wait to find out um, how old those fish are, but. What I was getting at is like I feel I honestly feel like with those pelagic species is some years are just going to be better than others, mm-hmm. and the reason for that the conditions change. I think that the whenever they reproduce, it's kind of just it's random. It's random. They you know they just put sperm and eggs in the water and they hope it works out. Mm-hmm. And in some years it works better than than other years. And it's, it's a seven year cycle, yeah. supposedly. Seven year cycle. I've never heard of this. I've heard it before. Every seven years, it just there's a down year. Hmm. I don't know if it's true or not, but we had a couple of down years of tuna fishing, and last year was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It is true. We did have a really bad year a few years it's, ago. And like, like this is going on, this is going on. It's like, I was telling people, it's like, it's not just tuna, though. You go to the floaters, you don't see the black fence. You don't see the skipjack. You don't see anything. It's just something's just off. Right, yeah. You go to the Port of Vigna, you literally saw nothing. Yeah. That's not normal. There's, we didn't. We might it's have killed. Not, it's not. We killed everything. We didn't kill the yellowfin. Yeah. We didn't kill the blackfin. We didn't kill the skipjacks. We didn't kill all this. Like, just something's just off. The counts yeah. are wrong. Just something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you pull the deep water rig and you literally see nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens, man. I think it's just cyclical. It's kind of like a you know a point. You know, sometimes that point it goes up, is, up, up, up. It can't keep good, going good, up. It's yeah. got to go down <laughs> before it goes up again. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like the stock market. You can't just keep going up. Right. Right. You're gonna have good and bad, and you gotta take the good with the bad. And, and oh, it's a GameStop. The GameStop keeps going up. Yeah. What do you think uh, we could do more as far as conservation goes, or what's your, you know, what's your take on conservation? I know we talked. What's I know we talked a lot. We we talked a lot about it already, but you know, just whatever sums. Honestly, it up I don't think we affect the fishery as a personal thing, but honestly, we can help it out because every fish we kill is a fish that's not there anymore. Yeah. That's true. So I, mean, I, I like don't a, think as recreation fishing that we are affecting the worldwide population of yellowfin. But nobody needs two sixty eighty pound yellowfin per person. Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna use it all. Right. So any well, fish you kill is a fish is not in the population anymore. Right. I don't think a recreational anglers we are hurting the fish population. But every fish we kill is a fish is not in the population anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you have four people or six people. And you catch four 80-pound elephants, there's no need to kill any more elephant. 
Yeah. You go kill something, go kill something else, get some variety in action. Yeah. Do something different. Yeah. Change it up. Because you kill another four elephant, that's that's one you need anyway, and you just take four elephant of the population, which yeah. can replenish up a fellow population. Right. And I mean, there's truth to that. Like, a, what, how old is a 60 pound elephant? I'm not going to act like I know. I think it's like three years two old. Two to three years old, somewhere. Yeah, there. Two to three years old. So they, fair, they grow fairly quick. So if I'm not saying we're hunting the population, but we just don't need them. Right, right. You can only eat so much. And you know, I always go back to it. I know Chris Bush with Speckled Truth started it, but he says that, you know, take what you need and release the rest. Mm-hmm. And that's. I've, I had no problem cutting tuna off. Yeah. People say, I don't want to keep me a tuna. Reel them the boat. Don't take them out the water. Leave him in the water, cut the hook right out of his mouth. Right. You do more damage taking him out the water. Yeah. A yellowfin, that is. Yeah. Oh, wahoo. Any, any of those polluted species with. I think you do more damage taking him out the water. Yeah. But I'll leave the hook in the mouth. Yeah. What do you think we could do more as a, you know, as a, as a the charter company, as far or as uh, the charter fleet is to, uh, you know, further do more to, to help? You think just keep less? Or is it, is there anything else we can do? Even inshore, you can be whatever, you know. I think inshore, no captain's limits. Because nobody needs... Yeah. You got three customers. I don't keep mine anymore. That's a good thing. I, don't. I never did it when I did it. You know, I'll say I don't, but if my customers really want it, I will. But that's I just that. kind of the youngness in so You me. got three customers, you got 15 redfish. That's 30 fillets. That's probably 15 meals. They're probably not going to eat that to begin with. Yeah. It's okay. Just keep catching them. Go. You might catch a yeah. flounder. You might catch right. a trout. You might catch this. Try this some different kind of meat. You might catch a. Yeah. Who knows what you got to catch? I, I love my customer. I want my customers to go home with meat. I want. Them yeah. To go no, home. you have to. Yeah. I mean, I, that's what I love about fishing is the. But if every is the fish itself release the redfish. Yeah, it would help. That we have twenty five percent less redfish killed a year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. just Venice. Yeah. I think I I would get behind that 100%. I I hear the reason why a lot of captains won't get behind it. Because other captains do it. It's because other captains do it. Right. So then if if everybody gets behind it, it's one thing. Yeah, and what I I don't want them to do is lessen the limit. They don't need to lessen the limit. They just need to let... Because one of the reasons I got into inshore fishing was because I really felt like red fishing down in Venice was one of the the best managed fisheries that we've had. Oh no it is. It's very It really it's very, very well managed. The way but that nope. we re- we release the big ones and yeah. we keep the, the slots. I think that that's a make a three anglers very good thing. Fifteen redfish, thirty fillets. There's no you know they're probably not gonna eat all that anyway, so there's no reason to kill anymore. If all the issue guys got behind that, you would save twenty five percent of your population a year. Yeah. Or whatever they're gonna kill. Exactly. Well yeah. Three Generally, average trip is probably three customers, one captain. Right, yeah. So, they'd probably say 20% of each fish a year was to save you on your bad days. Yeah. And they're probably not going to eat them. It's the same thing with tuna fishing. I don't keep my tuna limit of tuna. Yeah. And that's one thing I have problem with with tuna is, you know, the limit's three per person. That's the federal limit. Mm-hmm. That's the quota thing. That's uh, I can't. International Commission for Atlantic Conservation. International Commission for the Conservation of Atlantic Tenders. We have to catch our fish, otherwise they take our quota away from us and give it to another country. Hmm. I did not know that. Swordfish too. Really? That's how they report our swordfish. If we don't catch our fish, they'll take our quota and give it to Italy or France or some other country. That's the stupidest thing ever. Tuna are managed internationally, not federally. Really. It's an internationally managed fishery. ICAT. 
Really? I need to look into this, man. <laughs> I, feel like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Same thing with bluefin, yellowfin, swordfish. Those are only Most of all the pelagics kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. That's crazy. Because I, I don't know, man. I just I just see that three person per limit. And I just... Three, more three per person. It's just... And, and maybe when they're small, maybe that's okay. But to me... You keep one I, small one and then try to catch a bigger one or something. You that's know what I do. I, mean? I, I like, try to keep... My goal was to catch one quality fish per person. Yeah. It could be a 50-pound wahoo. It could be a 50-pound tuna. A 40-pound dolphin. My ideal yeah. chip is one quality fish per person. If yeah. I get four to six people, if I get... Five people, I get four... 50 pound elephant and a 40 pound dolphin that's a successful trip yeah yeah I definitely agree with that and I said too is like I always say like with bull red fishing if I catch 15 then that's a good day yeah that's a good day you know if I catch 15 bull reds that's a you know I, and I release all the bull reds just about just about mm-hmm. the only the uh, the limits with redfish just for people listening it's you know 16 to 27 inches and you can keep one over and I'll keep them over, but not if they're if they're over like twenty to thirty, you'll keep them. Yeah, yeah if they're just over and it's a tough day, I'll keep them. But like generally, no, won't do that. But um, one last question. I know I said that was the last question, but is there any? You know, I I said that I had some of these goals because I set goals as far as fish. Mm-hmm. Like I had, you know, I had a three hundred. I I set a goal for a three hundred pound swordfish. I caught a giant me, mako. Yeah. I've, uh, 200 pound yellowfin I shot my yellowfin you know there's there's goals that I set for myself and I literally dream about them mm-hmm. I literally dream about them for years until it actually happens and maybe some of them won't ever happen but you know some of them have happened and I think that there's a cool thing about with fishing is you can in a way you can visualize it and then make it happen because you, know, you put in the work there's if a possibility you, of doing it. Right, right, right. There's a possibility, and if you if you visualize and you think about it enough and you put in the work, you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. That's true. You can do that. You know, what what's your crazy fish that you would love to catch? There's two of them. Two. You got two. I need them on them. Well, one sort of available in the United States, but not really. The two fish I would like to catch the most are rooster fish and a peacock bass in Brazilian. Bass. Peacock bass. In huh? a Brazilian, though. You can catch them in Miami, but yeah, yeah, you can yeah, catch yeah. little ones in Miami. I want to go on a Brazilian trip down the Amazon River and catch 20-pound peacock bass. Oh, yeah. That'd be cool. I'd love to do that, man, honestly. But, you know, one thing about Brazil, I've, I've traveled on the off-season mm-hmm. at times, and I've always heard bad things about Brazil. And I don't I've care heard about it. I've heard, I've heard some people say some good things, but... I don't know. I guess when it, that personal recommendation is strong, man. Whenever you're somebody telling you to go somewhere, you but know? I want to catch a twenty pound peacock bass on one of those mother ships that goes down to Amazon River, mm-hmm. and just I think it's a one lifetime experience. Yeah, for it's me. a beautiful. That's a beautiful. All the way up to Amazon River, it takes like yeah. a couple of days to get there, and you see all kind of stuff and yeah, crocodiles and Eddie. You got to do that, man. Don't put it off. You got to do it eventually. Seriously, man. That's awesome. That and Roosterfish. You got to, man. It, 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 there's something to traveling, I've always said, mm. is that money you'll never regret spending. No, I won't. You won't because that's an experience. People mm-hmm. don't, you don't, and I tell my customers that too. You're paying me for an experience. Mm-hmm. You will never regret that money. No. I, and if you do, I don't feel like you're living your life the right no. way. <laughs> you can buy TV and whatever it is, but you yeah. don't, you don't, 
You don't remember TV. You don't remember this. You don't remember video games. You remember what you did. Right. Exactly. You do. And I will say one, just to you know, touch on that. Is if there was a you know a fish that I couldn't catch here in the Gulf or what I'm you know doing right now. Whenever I went to Fiji, and there's a guide out there, and I went diving with them, and we we shot some Spanish mackerel. Well, their Spanish mackerels are big or whatever, but the Spanish nail-bald mackerel. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he told me that they live bait yellowfin tunas for dog tooth tunas. Yeah, they take little yellowfins. Yeah, and they that sounds pretty cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm coming back to do I'll that, do that. One day. I'm definitely coming. Back. They catch them on jigs. I mean. This guy's name is Jaga. He's from uh, Australia, but he lives in Fiji, and he's a guy. And dude, he is the coolest. He is a cool cat, man. It was it was really awesome meeting him. And I I think I was there in 2016, 2017, 2016 or twenty seventeen. And uh, I don't know. He was a cool guy, but I always wanted to go back. Dog tooth. Have we caught dog tooth yet? No, I shot. Well, in Bali, I missed two. I had one tear out and they- missed one completely. That is a cool fish, I think. Yeah, it is. It's it's like know. a combination king mackerel tuna. Yeah, with teeth. With teeth, <laughs> yeah. And I, I I've never fought one or shot one. But supposedly they're really people, fun to fight. Yeah, they say that they're like the hardest fighting fish in the ocean. Like I talked to so many divers mm-hmm. and fishermen about it, and it'd be cool to make to see that. You know. Well, hopefully eat. one day I'm down to Amazon, <laughs> fighting crocodiles with my damn peacock bass. <laughs> that would be cool that would be so cool yeah well eddie man i can't thank you enough man you've been an awesome friend of me the whole time i've been in venice you mm-hmm. know all the support giving me some days of work and all that and i can't thank you enough for sitting down with the podcast and give me some of your time to uh, share some of these I'm stories glad to, man glad appreciate, to it. It. appreciate it man all right guys we'll uh, out. summon out with that <laughs> thanks for listening everybody Please give us a follow on Facebook or Instagram at Tunatown Talks. Also, if you'd like to book a charter with me, you can do so by visiting our website at mgfishing.com. That's Mexican Gulf website, where you'll find my online booking calendar with all my open dates. And remember, guys, always be safe while out on the water. <laughs>